0: hello everyone what is up you guys welcome back to another episode of killer instinct if you are new here hi my name is savannah and i am your host of killer instinct before we get started make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button that way you never miss an episode we post weekly on the podcast every wednesday and then again every thursday on youtube as well and you are not going to want to miss it Now, before we move on into today's crazy, wild, and unbelievable episode, I did want to say that today is a very exciting day because today is the day that the Killer Instinct March officially drops. So if you are not familiar, I recently told you guys about two weeks ago that we were creating Killer Instinct March and that it was going to be available on July 20th. Lo and behold, it is now July 20th. So we now have hoodies available, Killer Instinct hoodies. If you've been watching me on YouTube, you've been seeing me wear them. I wore the orange color, the bright green color, and now I am wearing the black color as well. And we also have several other colors. I believe there is a light blue, there's a pink, there's a gray. So there are different colors for you to choose from. And if you're watching me on YouTube, I will have the link to the merch in the description box below, and if you are listening to me on the podcast, you can just go to Killer Instinct Podcast, and I am going to be talking all about it over there today, and you will have the links over there to go and see the merch and possibly purchase it as well. I'm really excited about the merch. It is the first time that we have done Killer Instinct merch ever, and it is such a long time coming. You guys have been asking about it for a while. I love the hoodies, they are so comfortable. They are all that I have been wearing lately. I was just out getting dinner the other night and someone complimented me on it, which was very, very cool, just because he didn't know it was the podcast. So it just confirmed to me that we did a good job in making them. Not that I had any fear or doubt beyond that, but it is just always nice to get that reassurance. So go check out the Killer Instinct Instagram. Again, it's just at Killer Instinct Podcast if you want to hear and see all of the merch and get the links for that, or you can just click on the link in the description box of this video. Now, with that being said, you guys, today we have a crazy case, and I know I've said this a lot. I know that we talk about it and joke about it, how every case is just so crazy and so wild and so obscured, but this one in my opinion, truly takes the cake. And there isn't as much information out there as I was hoping there would be on this case, so I apologize if today's episode is a little shorter. However, it is truly one that is going to leave you with your jaw on the floor. Before we get started on this video, I do wanna say a trigger warning. In this case, we are going to be talking about suicide, so if that is a sensitive subject for you, I encourage you to click out of the video Also, I will say that this episode is not for the weak of stomachs. It is definitely one of the more gruesome ones that we have talked about. So I just want to put that warning out there before we get started. Today we are talking about Kevin Davis I was actually introduced to Kevin and this entire case through TikTok. I saw a clip of his interrogation and just a 30-second clip got me entirely hooked and I needed to know more. And once I did find out more, I couldn't believe that I hadn't heard this case before and I knew that this is something that I wanted to talk to you guys about today. So with that being said, let's jump right on into it. So Kevin Davis was born on December 27th, 1995 to his mother, Kimberly Hill. He has an older sister named Desiree, and the three of them lived in the town of Corpus Christi, Texas. Now, Kevin and his mother, Kim, lived in an apartment at the Windrush apartment complex, while Desiree, who was about six years older than Kevin, lived not too far away from them in the same town, just in her own apartment. Now, Kim and Kevin lived in apartment 1707, and it was a two-bedroom apartment, so Kevin had his own room, and Kimberly had hers. Kimberly worked as a hospice caretaker, so she devoted her life to taking care of people and making sure that they were as comfortable as possible in their final days of life, which only makes this case that much more upsetting. Kim is described by her own children as the world's best mother, Both Kevin and Desiree have doted over the fact that their mother was so caring and attentive and did everything she possibly could for her children. Now, when it comes to Kevin's father, there really isn't that much information about him. I searched high and low to find as much as I could. What we do know is that Kevin's father did leave Kimberly shortly after Kevin was born, And after he left, Kevin had zero contact with his father and his dad really left Kim on her own as a single mother without thinking twice or looking back. Now, people who have claimed to have gone to school with Kevin said that he was a pretty average guy. He did seem a little bizarre to some and seemed like an outcast to others. However, they never really thought too much of it. They just thought that it was that typical awkward phase that some people go through in middle school and high school. Now, Kevin did pretty mediocrely in school. He wasn't great by any means, but he wasn't failing all of his classes either. His best subject in school was English, and he never really participated in any sports. Now, this case starts in 2014, because unfortunately, like I mentioned in the beginning, quite frankly, there isn't that much information out there about Kevin's upbringing or his life before this case and what that looked like. However, what we do know is that in 2014, Kevin was 18 years old at this time, And the exact time that we are looking at here is March 27th, 2014. Now, according to Kevin around this time, he was contemplating ending his own life. Now, when Kevin talks about this, he says that his reasonings for this were not because he was depressed necessarily. He just felt like he was living a very mundane, to put it lightly, life. He said that he was bored with life, he didn't like the people in his life, and he quite simply just didn't like Living, According to Kevin, he said that he had had these feelings for quite some years. He said that they started in his pre-teens and just followed him throughout his years of life as a teenager. And he said he never had any psychological help. He never reached out for any therapy or anything like that. He just got to a point in his life where he learned to accept it, and he very much had an it-is-what-it-is type of attitude about it. So again, now this brings us to March 27th, 2014. Now on the morning of the 27th, Kevin decided to tell Kimberly that he was contemplating ending his life. Now he said that the reason that he did this was because he wanted to gauge his mother's reaction. It's never really been said what the reaction he wanted was, because according to Kevin, his mother was distraught when he brought this up. She told him that she be devastated if he decided to end his life. However, she also added the fact that Kevin was a grown man. He was 18 years old and he was going to do what he wanted at the end of the day. She said that if that's the decision that he made, that there was going to be nothing that she could do to stop him. Kevin said that shortly after she said this, Kim actually called Desiree, her older daughter, and asked Desiree to come by and pick up Kevin later that day so he could go stay with her. Kim thought that getting Kevin out of the house would be a good way to kind of clear his head and just get him into a different environment. According to Kevin, going over to Desiree's was something that his mother made him do quite frequently. And when he was sent off to Desiree's, he took that as his mother not wanting to deal with him. Kevin didn't have many friends, he didn't have much of a social life, and he spent most of his time at home in the apartment playing video games. And that was pretty much his life. It was school and video games. Again, like I said, he didn't play sports, he didn't have a lot of friends, so video games were really his only hobby. And it didn't really allow him to get outside and get fresh air and just implement little practices in life that might help him. Along with that, Kevin was 18 years old and didn't know how to drive. So even if he wanted to leave the house, it's not like he really could have. Now, could he have gone and gotten his license? Yes, for sure. But at the same token, at the time, in the moment, it's not like he could have gotten in the car and drove off. He didn't have his license and didn't know how to drive. So again, this reaction from Kim is not what Kevin wanted to hear. He has never stated what the right reaction from Kim would have been. However, it was not the one that he got. And according to Kevin, he said once him and his mom had that conversation, he knew in that moment that he needed to act and that it was, quote unquote, now or never. So later in the night on the 27th, now we're looking at around 9 p.m., Kevin ended up riding his bike and approaching a neighbor's house. He knocked on the door and a couple who lived there came to the door and opened it. Now when the couple opened the door, Kevin asked if he could use their phone because he needed to make a call to the police and tell them that he had just murdered someone. Now, obviously, this is not the normal thing that you expect someone who's coming up to your door to tell you. However, the couple did allow Kevin to use the phone. So Kevin uses the phone and he calls the police and tells them what had happened. After he calls the police, he waits there until they arrive and arrest him immediately. At this point, we're moving into the early morning hours of the 28th, and at this time, the police go over to Kevin's apartment where he lived with his mother, and they walked in on an absolute horror scene. There was blood everywhere throughout the apartment, and they found Kim's body laying on the floor of her bedroom, and she had been brutally and viciously attacked. Police found a hammer next to her body. There were also three different notes scattered throughout the apartment that seemed to be written by Kevin. One of the notes said, "'Chase me. Sorry for the mess, KD.'" Another one, which was directed towards his sister, Desiree, said, Keep your head up. Hurry. She might still be alive, even though I highly doubt it. Now, according to Kevin, he wrote the note to Desiree because he thought that she was going to be the one to find Kim's body because remember Kim had called her earlier and asked if she could come over to come pick up Kevin so Kevin thought that Desiree was going to be the one to find their mother in that state and he thought that if she did she was going to in his words lose her head and so that's why he said keep your head up However, what we know now is that that is not what ended up happening because when Kevin tried to make a run for it, the guilt ate him over and he ended up confessing before Desiree could get there, luckily. Now, what's very twisted is that in regards to the notes, Kevin said that he was just kind of having fun with it. He said that he was in a very playful mood and he wanted to go on the run and see how far he could get and that these notes were really just his sense of humor coming out. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? So that same day, on March 28th, authorities sit down with Kevin to get the full story from him as to what happened and why he did what he did. And again, I'm going to warn you right now, as I did in the beginning, this is one of the most disturbing cases we have ever covered, and Kevin does not hold back in the details that he gives. Now, according to Kevin, he said that on the night of the 27th, around 9 o'clock PM, he was still so built up from the conversation that he had had with Kim prior and he knew that he was going to kill her that night. At around nine o'clock PM, Kim was sitting on the couch watching TV when Kevin went over to her and put a cord over her neck in an attempt to strangle her. The cord that he used was one from his video game controller. However, according to Kevin, this did not work and Kim was able to fight back and pull the cord off of her. After she ripped the cord off of her neck, Kimberly started screaming, and that is when Kevin then ran to her bedroom and pulled out a hammer that she kept in her nightstand drawer. He said that he then brought the hammer back and then started hitting Kimberly over the head with the hammer. He hit her over the head approximately 20 times. And at that point, he then dragged her by her clothes into her bedroom, leaving a trail of blood behind them. Now, Kevin initially thought that the approximately 20 hits to the head had killed Kimberly. However, she then started making some noises and he thought that she was playing dead those are his words he thought that she was playing dead and so he continued to hit her over the head several more times until her skull had cracked open now even with her skull cracked open kevin still wasn't convinced that she was dead he then walked into the kitchen and grabbed a knife and stuck the knife through the top of kimberly's head And at this point, you guys, her brain is exposed. So when he grabs this knife, he sticks it into the top of her head and mixes her brains around with the knife. Now, for whatever reason, he said the knife wasn't really working. It wasn't giving him the result that he wanted. So Kevin then took his bare hand and put it into his mother's skull and started mixing her brains around with his own hand. You can't say I didn't warn you guys, this is insane and it only gets crazier. After he stuck his hand inside his mother's skull and messed with her brain, he then proceeded to remove her clothing and have sex with his mother's corpse. In his confession, Kevin said, quote, I lost my virginity to a corpse, end quote when police asked kevin why he felt the need to commit this act of necrophilia with his mother kevin said quote i always loved my mother i guess in the wrong sort of way end quote now after completing this act that he did with his mother kevin then ran a bath for himself In his mother's bedroom, he runs a bath for himself, removes his clothing, and sits in the bath to clean off and let the blood wash off of him before getting out and changing his clothes. Now, in Kevin's confession, he actually stated that his original plan was not just to murder his mother, but to also murder his older sister, Desiree, as well. He said his original plan was to murder Kim in their apartment, then get on his bike, because again, he can't drive, and ride his bike over to Desiree's apartment and murder her there as well. He even went as far as to call this a fantasy of his. Killing both of them was his fantasy. However, he said that after he murdered Kim, he had quote unquote, gotten his fill of killing. And he didn't feel like going and murdering his sister anymore because he felt like that would be too excessive. Now, after Kevin had murdered his mother, taken a bath and changed into new clothes. He wrote the three notes that I mentioned earlier and then got on his bike and started riding away. Now at a certain point, Kevin did ditch his bike. He decided to get off of his bike and he left it in a ditch and then he just began running, which if you think about it, doesn't seem very logical. It seems like you could get a further distance quicker on a bike than you could just by running. But according to Kevin, he said that he wanted to run and see how far he could get. However, he ultimately stopped near a wooded area and he said that it just hit him. Like everything that he had just done had hit him and he started hysterically crying. And he said in this moment that it's one of those times where you don't realize what you want until you lose it. It was at this moment when he was in that wooded area that he found the closest house, walked up to them and asked to use their phone to confess. Now the whole, this whole thing is so unbelievably insane and hard to wrap your head around. But what's so wild is that when police asked Kevin, you know, why did you do this? What prompted you to do this? What was, did your mother do anything to deserve this? Kevin's immediate response, was no, he didn't try to justify it by saying that his mom made him mad or that she said something. Kevin said that Kimberly was the best mother he could have ever asked for and that she did nothing to deserve what he did to her and that he was just an evil, messed up person, which I feel like at least we can agree on one thing. Now, Kevin didn't stop there in his confession, he went even further than just the murder he committed and started talking about his fascinations with murder and his fantasy about murder, and in his words, the art of murder. He went on to talk about how intrigued he was by all the different ways that someone can kill another person. And in the way, again, his words, someone can be sliced to pieces with such care and such love. Now, even though Kevin stated that the conversation with his mom earlier that day is what triggered all of this, he said that he had actually been planning on murdering his mother for a while. He said that this is something that he had been thinking about and fantasizing about for a long time and that it was just a matter of when. And when asked if he had ever told anyone about this plan of his, Kevin said that he never necessarily told anyone explicitly. However, he said that there were telltale signs that something like this was going to happen in regards to his behavior. He said that it was very clear to him that something was going to happen. And so sometimes he would make a joke or he would say something twisted or he would act in a certain way. And in his opinion, he said that he thinks that his family and his friends and people who knew him just brushed it under the rug because they didn't want to think or they couldn't comprehend that he would ever be capable of something like this. Now, in his confession, and again, this ties into a very big and broader conversation and debate that we see in a lot of these cases. And a lot of times when we see these murder cases, we see people who plead insanity. In their own mind, it's what they think. If I plead insanity, you know, I don't have to get life in prison or the punishment won't be as severe. However, Kevin was very different. In his confession, Kevin was adamant about the fact that he is not insane he said that he is a disturbed and disgusting person however he said that he is not mentally unwell or mentally ill he said he knew what he did and he knew that it was wrong he could grasp and comprehend the fact that what he did was wrong and that is a very big factor when trying to determine if someone is sane or not, whether they can determine what is right versus what is wrong. So the fact that Kevin was saying, I know what I did, and I know it was wrong, really strengthens the argument that he is not insane. However, at the same time, if you look at it on the flip side, there could be an argument to be made about the fact that he very well could be mentally ill. But because of that, he is so adamant over the fact that he's not, if that makes sense, like a reverse psychology type of deal. Now, along with that, in his confession, Kevin said that if he were ever released, he would, without hesitation, kill again. And he even went as far as telling the detectives what his perfect murder would be. And we are going to get into what that is right after talking about our sponsors. So Kevin's perfect murder. It's crazy that someone, like the concept of that even being a thing, like someone's perfect ideal murder, the fact that that's even a thought in someone's mind is baffling and astounding and so horrifying on so many different levels. But let's talk about what Kevin said his perfect murder would be. Now, according to Kevin, in his fantasy, he would dress up in a really nice tuxedo and he would also be carrying with him a very nice dress for his female victim kevin said that once he got dressed in a very nice suit and picked the dress up he would then go over to a woman's house break in through the back window to get into the house and once he got into the house he would start conducting the kill Now, Kevin actually said that before he committed his first murder, he figured that his preferred method of killing would be through strangulation. However, after his first murder was completed, he now thinks that he would prefer to carry it out through stabbing. He said that after stabbing his victim to death, he would then decapitate her because he said, quote unquote, I like my women dead. He then said that after decapitating her, he would sew her head, or attempt to sew her head, back onto her body before having sex with her body and in his words, creating a night to remember. After he was done, he said that he would then burn the house to the ground and run for the hills. But wait, there's more. In his confession, when talking about how he lost his virginity to a corpse, the investigators asked Kevin about his romantic life, did he have ever had a girlfriend or ever been in a relationship to any capacity, to which he said no. However, he did mention a time before the murder he had killed a gray cat named claire now it's not clear if this was his cat or if it was his friend's cat however he said that he himself had drowned claire in the bathtub after he drowned her he then strangled her before cutting her stomach open and committed bestiality with this cat Kevin said that it didn't matter to him if he was having sex with someone that was dead or alive because he didn't have standards or morals. His exact words were, a body is a body, a piece of meat. It's harsh to say, but no, I don't mind. Now miraculously enough, all of the suicidal thoughts that Kevin had that he had mentioned to his mother before killing her. He said that after he murdered his mother, all of those thoughts went away. He didn't feel the need to go through with that. So Kevin was obviously arrested, and he was charged with one count of non-capital murder in October of 2024. Now, non-capital murder charges, I want to talk about this for a second. So the difference between capital murder and non-capital murder, just in a punishment standpoint, capital murder is punishable by the death penalty, while non-capital murder is not. Non-capital murder charges are more typically, again, this isn't always the case, however, more typically result in a life in prison sentence with or without the possibility of parole. Now, if you're sitting there wondering what constitutes capital murder versus non-capital murder and why on earth someone who clearly as disturbed as Kevin did not receive the capital murder charge, We're going to talk about it because I looked into it, and according to the Texas law, which is where this crime took place, there are several different ways that someone could be convicted of capital murder. And what that person would have to do is either murder a law enforcement officer or a government official. They would either have to kidnap someone alongside murdering them. A capital murder charge would also occur if there was like a hitman situation or if it was a murder-for-hire situation. It also can take place if an inmate tries to escape prison and murders a civilian along the way. And it also occurs if more than one person is murdered or if the murderer kills someone under the age of 10 years old. So those are the qualifications for someone to be convicted of a capital murder charge based on the Texas law. And since Kevin does not fall into any of the previous categories, he received the non-capital murder charge. So let's talk about Kevin's sentence. Kevin was sentenced to a life in prison and is currently serving his sentence at a prison in Texas. Now, crazy enough, Kevin will be eligible for parole in March of 2044. Now, while that seems like a long way away, because it is, Kevin is currently 26 years old, around 26 years old, which means he will be eligible for parole when he is 48 years old. Now, we hear a lot of times about people being eligible for parole when they're like 87 or 92 or this older age where we think as a society that they won't have the capability to go out and commit a murder again. However, 48 is fair game. You can still murder someone at 48 years old. And it's terrifying because Kevin has openly admitted that if he gets released, he's going to kill again. And so let's cross our fingers that when 2044 comes along, Kevin is still in prison. Now that, you guys, is the case of Kevin Davis. I told you from the beginning it was a crazy one and I cannot wait to hear what you guys have to say about it. But with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Again, make sure you go ahead and check out the Killer Instinct March. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We post weekly on the podcast every Wednesday, then again every Thursday on YouTube. I will be back next week with a brand new one for you guys. And Until then, stay safe. Bye, guys.